0: Podcaster passionate about empowering youth to raise their voices and tell their stories. On Global Youth Matters, they tell their stories in their own voices on their own terms. They have faced life challenges social, emotional, health, physical, economic, political, and more. They've gone through rough times and have come out on the other side. Get ready because they'll blow your mind. I'm going to let them talk because their voices matter on Global Youth Matters. Hi, Tulu. It's so nice to have you on the podcast today. I would love if you introduce yourself to us. Hi, good
1: morning. My name is Tulu Alashekola Pobelo. I'm 23 years old. I come from Nigeria and I basically grew up in Nigeria up until the age of 17. I went to elementary and kindergarten in Nigeria. Growing up in Nigeria wasn't quite easy for me, most especially my family, because Everything, the whole community of people in Nigeria doesn't really have a smooth and easy lifestyle because it's not everything that favors everyone in the community. So you have a mixture of the rich people, the middle class people and the low life people. But I wouldn't say I grew up in the poor side, but I wouldn't say I grew up in the rich side either. So, But one thing my parents did was to always give us the best of the best to his capability as his children. So my dad would sometimes sell what he has to ensure we went to the best of schools because schools, education is not free in Nigeria. So he had to ensure we had the best because it's like if you have the best, you'll be able to go places and find a lot of opportunities. So he wanted us to go to school, learn, and come out to be great people in life. So I grew up with friends. We used to play in the neighborhood together. We used to hang out. Then my dad would always ask us and like, "What do you want to become in future?" And right from when I was small, I told him I wanted to be a doctor. So he would go out buy toys of that belong to the hospital, medical toys for me. And sometimes I would dress up. He literally bought me lab coat. I would dress up wear lab coat and carrying my toy stethoscope and hang around my head. And I'll be going to my uncles and aunts and telling them, oh, I want to check the heartbeats with the toy stethoscope. And they'll be pretending to me like, oh, come and check my heartbeats, check my pulse and everything like that. So that was where my passion for medicine started from. And then at the age of five, my mom lost a baby boy due to the lack of proper health care. And so she lost him. He was still bad when he was born. So she lost him. And then it was kind of something that was supposed to be um, a moment of joy and celebration was kind of a moment of mourning, of the loss and everything. So my mom was so sad and moody for long. So I was like, no, I can't let this happen again. I can't let this happen to anybody else because the healthcare in Nigeria was so poor and they were inadequate facilities and inadequate people that could provide the health care to people in need. So I made up my mind and said, you know, I will become one of the people that will change that about Nigeria and change that about people that lack health care in the world. So that was why I decided to go to
0: school to pursue medicine, pursue medicine. That is very impressive from a young age. And I'm sorry to hear about your mom's and the family's possible child. So knew you wanted to be a doctor from such a young age, even prior to what happened with your mom. Yes. That's kind of a right? That's kind of a gift. How old were you when you made that decision?
1: Well, from five. I did age of five.
0: Five. Wow. Five. Wow. That's amazing. Tell us a little bit more after you just continued to know always or did you ever change? Well,
1: at some point I was doubting myself because I liked computer things too, right? So you would always find me playing games, computer games and all. Aside, I still had passion for medicine, right? But I still had that aside from as a sideline and also I loved cooking. So I was thinking which one would be easier because i would ask people that were in that line that oh how is it like studying medicine and they'll tell you it's not easy it's not something that is very very easy then i'll be like i don't think i want to go through that stress even though i want it but it's i do and i you know normally you go to college spend four years but for medicine it's almost up to eight years if you look at the premier and then the medical school and then I was like, I don't want to grow old studying in school and all. I want to do something, get my degree and live my life, you know, and travel and explore and everything. I don't want to start becoming a grammar in medical school and all. But then I feel like the love I had for children, because I right now want to be a pediatrician. So the love I had for children just made me devoted to sticking to medicine. So that's why I still decided to continue the goal of studying medicine.
0: Great to have a big desire for the right reason. That's good. I mean, for our reason, right? That's wonderful. Now, I mean, maybe you want to tell us a little bit about some obstacles that you had to go through. I know, I know where you went to study and how you got there, and a little bit some of the challenges that you had to go through.
1: The challenges started from right when I was in Nigeria, right? Because to get the best, you have to go to the best. So my dad said, okay, if you have to pursue medicine, you have to go to good schools, right? So he enrolled us in schools, and there were some days whereby we couldn't pay the school fees. And I felt so sad about that, but my dad just kept encouraging us. I'm like, just think of the end. Think of the goal when you achieve that in life. So I that was what pushed me to, to finish high school in Nigeria. And then... After I finished high school in Nigeria, my dad decided that i go abroad to study medicine because right now in Nigeria, there were so many strikes in school. And he was like, okay, if this is something that will take you like six years or more in Nigeria, it could take you like 10 to 12 years because of the strikes that were frequent. So he said, I should start making my research for me to go abroad. And that's when I started my research of medical schools abroad and I found Ukraine to be economically friendly with their education and all so I applied even though it wasn't easy getting into Ukraine because the admission process was just complicated with me and at some point I felt felt like all hope was lost because I finished high school in 2016 and then I felt my my colleagues were already in uni, in, in college in 2016. And I was, like, worried. 2017 had come, and I wasn't in any college or anything. And then 2018, and I was crying sometimes. And then I was like, "That, oh, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to... When am I going to go to school? So the process, they had some... My own was just different because when I submitted my documents to school, they would tell me, oh, they didn't find this in my document. And then it was right there. So everything was just complicated. The day I got my admission, I was really dancing with tears of joy and everything. I was like, finally, my dream is being fulfilled. So I embarked on my journey to Ukraine in 2018. I started there. I was so happy to be in med school. It was really something I had been looking forward to, and we were all there like young chickens <laughs> that we are being nurtured from the beginning. So we would see the older ones in med school, and they'll be like, "Oh, look at these small children; they just started. They don't know anything yet."
0: Can I ask you a question? And that was two years, right? 2016 to 2018 for you to get there. Yes, and it sounded what yeah. kept. Was it your father who helped kind of continue to give you that sort of hope or something else inside? And what what was it that, or your desire to be a doctor? I don't know. What was it?
1: Well, I wanted to be a doctor. And when I saw that years were going, I actually went to meet my dad. And I told him that, are you sure I wouldn't just consider another four years course in college that will make me finish on time? Because I think everyone has already planned, they've already planned their life right from when they are small that, oh, they finish high school at the age of 16, they do college four years, and then they are done. But at the age of 20, they can start living their lives and all. So that was my plan. I did it planned. I was like, yes, I'll be done at the age of 20 and all. So when those one year, two years were coming by and then nothing had happened, I was like, I'm growing old. I told my dad I'm growing old. My dad was laughing at me. He was like, i am i I'm not even entered my, entered my 20s yet. I'm complaining about growing old and all. So, yeah. Father figure. So he, yeah. He kept me going. With my mom, we prayed together. My, my siblings too, because my sister was in college already. And she was just like, I should just look at the end game that there are some people that are in their 30s and they are still in college. So I'm like, okay, sure. If people are in their 30s, I'm not complaining. Why should I be complaining that I'm still young? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So your family played a big role, uh, encouraging you. So back to getting to Ukraine.
1: (laughs) Yes, I got to Ukraine. Ukraine was very, very accommodating, especially the international community. It felt like we felt like families. Because we know we all left our families back in Nigeria, Ghana, India, Somalia, Morocco, everywhere. So being with new people, with new sets of people, and with the the same goal and with the same mindset, it made us bond together and all. I made good friends in Ukraine, and the teachers were nice. Some of the teachers were nice to us. They helped us, especially us international students. Because I remember one of my one of my internal medicine teachers, she's always like, yes, I know your mother is home and she can't see everything right now. So if you ever need anything, if you don't have food, come to me. If you need anything whatsoever, because I know the big role a mother plays in the lives of their children. So she was like a school mother. While well, our physical mother was far away from all of us, like that. So, as I progressed in my class in medical school, it became quite difficult. Medical school was not easy, but I was pushing through. There were sleepless nights. There were days I felt sick because I just had to stay awake reading throughout the night and all. Oh, but it was worth a sacrifice, though, because I mean, I felt happy knowing all these things about the whole system, how the body works. And I felt happy that, oh, I was progressing and I was making it in life. After my third year in medical school in Ukraine, we wrote like a continuation exam, right, that qualifies us to start clinicals in Ukraine. And I was happy when I passed that exam. I was like, okay, I've passed through the first half of medical school in Ukraine. It the second half. So I started my clinical rotation in my fourth year. It was quite interesting going um, communicating with patients, diagnosing, and the rest. So I was happy, looking forward to the end. Getting to my fifth year, I started my fifth year. And then one night I slept and I woke up to the sound of bombs and air sirens in the air. Waking us up, and to, only to find out that the war between Russia and Ukraine had started. We had been right before the war started. We've been getting like because from what I heard, there was Russian and Ukrainian clash in 2014. But the senior students were like, "Oh, it's not that serious. That it wasn't something serious like that. That they settled the dispute and all." So they were just like, and teachers and school authorities were assuring us that, oh, it's nothing serious. That it's probably just like how 2014 was. That they will settle their conflicts and come to an agreement and all. So when we started seeing the news whereby some countries were telling their people to evacuate the country, the to evacuate from Ukraine, we were bothered and we were like, what's going on? That countries were not telling their people to evacuate and leave Ukraine during 2014. This one, they are telling their people to evacuate, that looks like it's something more serious, but this school kept assuring us that everything will be fine, we shouldn't worry, and we shouldn't do anything, That we should just remain calm and all. And so that's how the war started on the 24th of February, 2022. And that was the day that changed my life, I woke up the following day. I was scared for my life. I wasn't even thinking about my education at that moment. I was just thinking about surviving because I hadn't gone home for the past five years of my life. I hadn't seen my parents. I hadn't seen my siblings. And I was looking forward to finishing, to go home, see my family, and continue my career in the line of medicine. So that night I was scared. I was like, God, I don't want to die. That This is not I planned to die even though I haven't planned how I'm going to die but I didn't want to die in a war or through bombs or anything whatsoever so I was so scared of my life I called my parents I was crying and so we tried we started packing our things We international students and some other Ukrainians started packing things looking for a way out through the border we made the first attempt to my city in Ukraine which is Sumy city it borders with has a border with Russia, so Russian soldiers had surrounded our border, which now made it difficult for us to leave our city. So we're stranded there for weeks. We're stranded in my city for weeks, and there was no way out. We would wake up to bombs and sirens as alarms as early as six o'clock or five o'clock in the morning. And then they, they introduced coffee by 5 o'clock in the evening. So sometimes we would run from our rooms or an apartment from hostels. People run from hostels to the bunker every day. And it was during winter season. So it was cold and people started falling sick because it was even snowing during those times. People started falling sick. Some people had to walk from one hostel to another hostel they had to walk kilometers just to be able to get water and electricity and gas to cook and to survive and i was a student union representative of nigeria i was the vice president of nigerian student union in sumi so as a leader i had to look out for my people so we executives would risk it all go to the stores and to the supermarkets to get groceries and medicines for people to stay alive. There was a time where we went out to look for groceries from the donations that came in and then the SRA went off and we were outside on the road. We were so scared that day. We just had to take over with our winter jackets and all. So like if anything should try to come near us, at least we would protect ourselves in the possible way we could. So we would go out almost every day looking for groceries because the stores started running out of food and water and medicines. And people were falling sick. And no no mother would want, like to hear that oh their child died due to sickness, due to lack of availability of food or something. So we would give, provide medications for them, provide foodstuffs for them, and some people donated food stocks to us like for those that had life stocks they would bring chicken and eggs for us to the hostels and apartments and all just for us to survive so moving on we kept we did at some point some people already gave up and said oh they are going to die in this place that the bomb is going to come and hit them in the hostel because they did not see any possible way out and we kept crying to the school authorities we kept crying to people that they should just help us in the best possible way they could to get us out of there because some peop- people's parents like my cousin was over there with me my, my auntie started having high blood pressure and she was rushed to the hospital because she was worried that was our only child and she didn't want her to die in the war and everything so she was really worried about that and she was looking forward to seeing her daughter and all so people were crying lamenting praying looking for possible ways out and didn't know what to do but we were just hoping that one day we would be able to come out and so We went on a protest on our Instagram, uh, on our student union Instagram, so it got lots of views, and then the broadcasters, news and television stations started broadcasting the whole thing, and then Red Cross got in touch with us and decided to help us, and decided to send vehicles to... Take us out with the escort of Red Cross out of my city. My city was where the journey began. Leaving my city was where the journey began. So, after they took us out of my city, mind you, some people that were in other cities were able to escape. But some of them had to trek, had to walk long distance. They had to walk for kilometers inside the cold. And during those times, some people had to boil snow
0: just to be able to get water to drink. Just to stop you a little bit, that's, wow. I can't imagine all the fear and anxiety and all of this that you're all going through. Just to go back a little bit, I guess you said February 4th, the bomb stopped. How did you know where to go? And was the group that you went through, I see that you were a leader back then. Yeah. You know, as a vice president, was it like a, the, the, your group of Nigerians or just a bunch of students went together? Like, how did you manage and where did you get all this courage? Coming in as
1: international students, you identify with your countries because that's the way most times the school keeps information. So once a Nigerian comes, they'll notify the leaders of the Nigerian group that, okay, there's a new student from Nigeria and once a Ghanaian and a moroccan indian anyone like that so the all leaders work together with the school so we are familiar with ourselves like that so we we were in touch with other leaders of other countries so it's more like would i say eu kind of setting but amongst us in the in the school yes so that's how school does with international students so that's how we're all able to help ourselves and mind you one thing is that as international students in ukraine there wasn't any discrimination or any form of racism amongst us international students we mostly face racism amongst the ukrainians the old old granny ukrainians because they feel like oh international people have come to take their money and they should go back to their countries but we had ukrainian friends for those mostly the young people were eager to make friends with us to socialize with us because they felt like oh they would get more exposure to culture of other countries and all so we worked together as a group to find a way out of the city and because the school didn't really play any play any good role in getting us out, they just kept mute after they told us and assured us that everything will be fine before the war. When the war happened, they just kept mute
0: and they didn't do anything about that. That must have been a terrible feeling. Yes. So you said that you went together probably.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, you were with a group of people. And then after this great idea of getting the news out, you had help from the Red Cross, right? And where did the Red Cross take you?
1: The Red Cross took us out of our city because that was the main challenge for us because the uh, Russian soldiers had blocked the border of our city. So it was just to get us out of our city. Then our journey to the border with other countries would now start. So that one was like a whole day journey because we had to enter train for my city to the city that is close to the border of Ukraine, with Hungary, Poland, Romania and the rest, and Moldova and the rest. So we had to get there. And that whole journey of the train wasn't easy because it was like survival of the fittest. You have to struggle and push to get yourself on that train. But one one thing that was really rampant was that they would rather prefer Ukrainians to leave first before they consider Africans, I remember that day I had to struggle and push to get on the train. And one thing is, as a leader, you have to let others go first before you think about yourself. So I was one of the last people to leave to get to the border, right? So I had to ensure that, okay, other people were safe and all because some parents kept calling me to ask of their children, like, I should do something to get their child out of there. I should do something to get... And at the same time, I broke down because I'm also a student myself. It's not like, oh, I'm a student. I'm sorry, I'm a school leader or something. I'm just like leader helping the association of the students. But they kept addressing me like, Oh, I own the school that why am I not doing anything about it? And then I kept I went one day I called my dad and I was crying to him that look at how parents are accusing me as if I'm the one that started the war and everything like that. But it was just like nah I should I should don't I should not worry. I should just be calm. And if there's anyone Disturbing me, I should just not pick the cause for the sake of my mental health. My mental health was really, really disturbed, and it was really bad at that point because I hadn't imagined my life flashing before my eyes like that, waking up to bombs, and also depression came in, anxiety came in, and then any small sound because hearing the sound of bombs and air flights started disturbing me mentally. There were nights whereby we would lay down on the floor with blankets all over our head in the room so just in case if the building collapsed or anything, we would be safe and nothing would stop nothing to break our body or crush our bones and everything. That was how we were solving. There were days without electricity. There were days our parents couldn't reach us. We couldn't charge our devices to talk to our parents. But we just kept hoping that one day we would get out, which is when Red Cross now came. And so, like I said earlier, we got on the train. The train was survival on the fittest. By the time I was able to get on the train, I had to stay in the hallway. They weren't they weren't giving us space to sit down. And the the train I got on was like a wagon. I had to stay in the wall hallway in the passage, and it was extremely cold. And we sat down on the floor in the cold place it was and it was close to the toilet so it was smelling like urine but i just knew i would do whatever i could at that point to get out of ukraine because i was i wasn't going to stay there any longer until, the, until any bomb met me or not so the whole journey took one day to get to the city because once it was coffee the train would stop till the following morning and we'll wait and once we hear siren the train will stop so the coast is clear again then at some point i had to walk because the train said it couldn't go further than this because they said oh the russians were attacking so we had to get down and start walking again eventually the whole journey from my city to the city near the border was already taking up to three days so by the end of those three days, we were able to cross over. Some, my friends and I and some other people were able to cross over to Hungary. Some people crossed over to Poland, some to Romania, some to Moldova. It was just We just had to divide ourselves. So we all would have been able to cross over. So that was how I crossed over to Hungary. I crossed over to Hungary and the, the night I got hungry, I couldn't sleep because the slightest sound of... Siren or loud sound would trigger me and wake me up, and I'll be so scared and, sh- and I'll be shivering from the fear of, or oh, maybe it's a bomb sound or it's a siren of airstrikes in the air and all. It took me like about a month plus with mental health therapists talking to me and all to be able to get myself back and to be able to become stable so after i got out of ukraine
0: so i just wanted to ask wow that was that's a lot of a lot to deal with so from the moment the bomb started until you went three days to get to the border between walking and train how long was that
1: he said the whole the whole process
0: took three days three days from the train but before that like when you left and you had to stay in the hostel Oh,
1: okay. Okay, it was like two weeks, about two weeks, almost three
0: weeks. Sounds like a lot to deal with and process, yes. right? Between the emotions and fear and being in yeah. war, nothing you ever asked for, right? Coming out of nowhere. And also you said you experienced some racism on the train
1: yeah,
0: where there were preferences for Ukrainians. So now having, I don't know if you want to address it now, you, you were able to process that through help. You said for a month and now how do you feel about all this?
1: Well, right now, sometimes I just think of the past. Sometimes I still get scared when I hear some sounds because I just feel like the whole thing I haven't forgotten about Ukraine. I mean, some people had built their life in Ukraine. So Ukraine was like home for me already. So I think Ukraine to my home and running leaving my home was something I least expected so when I think about that and maybe I'm in that feeling or that mood and so sometimes loud sounds still trigger me and sometimes emotionally I can just be looking sad and feeling sad but I I was depressed for quite some time and it wasn't easy
0: to deal with can imagine so How do you think this experience impacted your life, or is it just those moments that you talked about, or did it change your perspective?
1: Well, the whole experience made me stronger, and I just felt like, okay, I survived the war. I'm capable of surviving anything else. At first, I thought it was medical school that would finish me or that would be quite difficult but after the whole experience of the war i was like nah this one is more difficult than medical school and if i was able to survive this the war and all that i'll be able to survive any obstacle that comes my way so it made me stronger and it taught me the importance of family because people we were all together we worked together and
0: we survived together so what are some overall the whole experience maybe from some sort of life lessons that you would like to share from when you were young or from this issue or anything that you would like to share with other young people
1: from well my life experience is one thing i've realized now is live your life in the moment and The future will always come no matter what. And you can't change whatever happens in the future. Like now, I left all my belongings and I had to start all over again. Sometimes I'll be in tears when I remember a cloth I planned to wear or I just got. And I was like, oh, I'm going to wear this during summer. And then I never got to experience the summer in Ukraine. I never got to wear the clothes or the shoes or the bags I I brought. And everything was lost due to the war. So... I would say, don't hold on, don't keep grudges, and just live in the moment, right? Don't hold on to your past, move on, because you don't know where you'll find yourself. If you want to do something, do it now, don't procrastinate, and say, oh, you'll do it next year, because you don't know what's going to happen next year. I never knew or expected the to happen, but here now, I'm living my life, so if I would say, that's the lesson I picked up from then, and then... Also, like I said, the importance of family earlier, right? Always have loved ones around to support you emotionally and to build you up because you need that support a lot to take you
0: a long way. I also saw that you had a very strong will, right? I mean, yeah. for following your passion and being a leader. Pretty amazing. So... Did you want to, I mean, I don't know if you want to share anything else, like other things you will tell young people, or other things that, about yourself?
1: Yeah, living in Ukraine, and then, because some of us had to put the hold to medical school, well, some people decided to get married because they felt like, oh, the war was going to kill them, and they waited to get married before. So they decided to get married, and some of us have been out of school for like over a year because we couldn't continue due to the war and all. So i would just encourage people not to give up, and that you should look for, look for the best in whichever in any situation or any circumstance you find yourself. Make the best out of it all. I didn't give up, and I didn't say, "Oh, because of the war, I'm going to stop medical school." No, I still decided to. I decided to write to schools. I got so many rejection letters, I didn't give up, I continued to write, I looked for so many opportunities in different countries, and eventually something worked out for me. So I would say, don't give up, and whichever way you find yourself, always voice out your thoughts, because you may never know who is listening and who would want to help you. So you should not just keep to yourself and hide your worries from people because there are people in the world always ready to help you. If we didn't voice out our thoughts to the red on Instagram, Red Cross wouldn't have known that oh there are people stranded there and then we might have been stranded for months without with and people would have thought oh everyone is out, people are fine and all So we should always voice out our thoughts whichever any way we find ourselves and speak out because the world is hearing
0: it's very beautiful yeah importance of your voice right and then community on getting help when you need it and also that extreme uh sort of never give up personality that you've had which is great lessons well thank you so much for sharing all of your experiences and your wisdom and i wish you the best thank you want to hear about you when you're taking care of kids thank you back home right? back home in nigeria thank you so much this is the Global Youth Matters podcast. We hope you'll subscribe or follow us at Apple Podcast or your favorite pod platform. We would really appreciate it if you leave us a positive review, especially on Apple. This helps us build an audience. Finally, we want to hear from you. You can reach us by email at globalyouthmatters@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.